Hello, welcome to Creative Writing Life Podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. And Justin, I'll give you the honor of introducing our special guest today. Yes, today we're going to be talking about the writing life in general with Mark Fielding, but also to include some of the cool stuff he's done in the NFT slash blockchain space. And we'll, we'll touch on other stuff. But Mark, how's it going? Mark, what's going on? Good. Nice to meet you, Justin. Nice to meet you, Paul. It's going great. It's um, just for your listeners, I'm in France, so it's nearly midnight where I oh, am. Oh, man. So, yeah, we won't take too long then. <laughs> yeah, we the, won't um, keep you up too long. I think you're our right. first visitor from France. Oh, yeah. Bienvenue. <laughs> yes. Welcome. Sound, you sound like a native. I can't get over it. Um, well, I'm, I'm not, but my, my wife is French, so oh, okay. I try. Cool. So we always start off with a quick, like, what have you been watching or reading or or listening to and that could be movies books it could be if you've been reading about nfts or something i guess too but uh we can start uh paul do you have anything good for this week uh yeah i've uh, been slowly once again working my way through the netflix queue uh watched a great korean war drama with gregory peck called pork chop hill that was uh that was good it was a lot of uh recognizable names of a lot of uh I guess you'd call them a lot of sitcom stars from like the 60s and 70s were character actors in that like uh, Norman Fell and George Pappard and Robert Blake. We all have these small parts in this. Uh, it's only like an hour 40, but yeah, they packed a lot into the story. And a couple of weeks ago, I read an article about Elaine May of like Nichols and May fame. And it referenced a couple of films that she was directly involved in. One is called A New Leaf, which she wrote and directed. And that stars her as kind of like, um, I guess you call it like a klutzy billionaire heiress. And Walter Matthau is this uh, playboy who finds out that he has no money. So he sets out to marry her so that he can just murder her for the money. And it did not play out at all like I expected. But you know, it was it had some good laughs in it, but you know, not the laugh riot I thought it was going to be, but still pretty good and enjoyed it. And I really enjoy her writing. So I think it was a, it was a good example. So that's what I watched. Cool. I'll just throw out Death on the Nile. It's on HBO Max. We watched that. Um, I think it's so fine. I, I, I like the other one more, the one that came out with Johnny Depp. Uh, that was a remake of the uh, you know Murder on the Midnight Express. Uh, was much more like of a kind of fun, uplifting ending versus Death on the Nile. Just kind of felt like wah, 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 it's over. And uh, so yeah, but otherwise, well done. <laughs> anything with you, Mark? You've been watching or listening or reading anything fun lately? Were you saying that the recent Death on the Nile with um, the, the, the one that wasn't filmed in Egypt, obviously, but looked beautiful? It looks beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, I, so I, I, I live in a small town in France called Borg Samaris. Um, used to live like, lived in Paris for 10 years. And in Paris, just cinemas were just everywhere. And I used to spend a lot of time during the day exploring all these cinemas in Paris. Since we moved to this small town in the French Alps, there's one cinema and it doesn't really do version original. It's mostly French. And it, but sometimes they have one, once per week, they have a, a, an American film generally. And they had Death on the Nile a few weeks ago. Oh, and it was nice. the only film on. And I managed to escape from my kids and I went and watched it. And Sweet. yeah. Um, Did you like it? Um, I've got two very small children. I got to go to the cinema to watch a film about <laughs> Egypt. It, yeah. it looked stunning. It was, um, I always worry about Poirot because he's rubbish as a detective because those eight people on that boat, five of them died. He didn't find the murderer until the end. Um, <laughs> I, I was quite disappointed with his sleuth, sleuthing in that one. But yeah. 
yeah it looked nice but you had a lot of um, fun because you got to escape so that's good i got out of the house yeah um otherwise it's a bit like paul i'm kind of uh, netflix the bbc i watched um i've been working my way through louis through louis through documentaries which have been rebroadcast on the bbc so on the one hand working through these louis through i don't know if you're aware of his work but he's a he's a british documentarist his that his father was a travel writer as well um he wrote some incredible travel books but louis through he's a documentary filmmaker spends a lot of time under the surface of strange america if you like or right-wing america or violent america and or so the bbc are re-showing some of them so i'm working my way through those there's um about 10 years ago he went to interview the tiger king before mm-hmm. the tiger king became this big netflix explosion a couple of years ago and when he was there he was like trying to re- trying to explore animal rights whilst obviously this crazy character and obviously since he's been sent to prison he's gone back and revisited the footage that he made 10 years ago gone back to the zoo to meet the characters who are still around um to compare what it was like 10 years ago with what like now is very interesting and very scary as well but i i recommend that louis theroux have a have a look he's one of the my favorite where, where can you see a lot of his work is it mostly through the bbc on the bbc but i'm, I, I'm pretty sure youtube has a lot of his stuff now it's it's hmm. it's around um yeah louis through and also his father he, he's i don't read many travel books but i'll read his travel books because he he never takes planes he just travels by train and so he's got these books where he travels the length of africa he goes from like london to Australia, but only by train. So it's very slow, methodical, kind of philosophical writing. He really gets into the places. So I guess so train and boat. And, and boat, <laughs> yeah. Yes, and boat. Okay. <laughs> or submarine if he's feeling really adventurous, I guess. Or, or submarine, yeah. Um, but their their family must be have some interesting talks. Um books. Um, yeah, I'm reading about the blockchain and FTs. I'm always reading about blockchain and FTs, but I don't think there's a lot of storytelling in NFTs so like there's a lot of creativity, but the actual technical side of blockchain isn't very interesting. So I won't bore you with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what a few weeks ago, um, my, this was my daughter was taking books out of the bookcase and I've got quite a lot of E&M Banks books and she took out um, a use of weapons or something. And in the back cover, there was, a culture novel that I hadn't read. And I thought I'd read all his culture novels. And a couple of weeks ago, I discovered I hadn't actually read um, Accession. So I'm in the wonderful position of actually reading an Ian M. Banks culture novel anew. So I'm, I'm <laughs> reading that very, 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 very slowly at the moment. Awesome. Really cool. All right. And yeah. you do a lot of writing in various projects. How many... NFT projects you think you've written for at this point? Um, Guesstimate. NFT, can I include like metaverse and play to Yeah, blockchain, games NFT, metaverse, sure. Uh, Say all of that. Probably 50 or 60 by now. Wow. And out of that, how many would you say are like creative in the sense that we are more doing like lore and world building and that kind of stuff? 
maybe 10, 15 out of those are really kind of character and world building. Um, cool. Some of the stuff on the, on the metaverse, I find very creative and I find ways to incorporate creative writing into that. And then, yeah, maybe about 20, 30 are just educational thought pieces. Yeah. Um, really cool. always, I, I'm saying this quite a lot at the moment that the space for creative writing is the Web3 space, NFTs, the metaverse. There is so much opportunity for yep. creative writers to, to get experience, if you like, to get stuff in their portfolio, just to experiment, to go crazy. It's, it's a, a world of opportunity, yes. Yeah, yeah, so much IP looking for content. And a lot of people are still frowning. Like a lot of the serious game writers still tend to frown on the NFT stuff and think of it as a fad or think of it as a whatever because they don't understand it. And so it's interesting. So, But before we dive in, I guess, let's. you want to just give us a quick, hey, here I am, introduction to the world. <laughs> Gonzo time. Yes, here I am. I'm Mark. Um, I write under a few aliases. I'm the metaverse writer where I write about NFTs and IP. Um, you, the metaverse writer, the apocalypse daddy. So in my other vein, I, I write children's about children's stories and the, the alternative dad blog, Apocalypse Daddy. And so I do fan fiction, a lot of that. I say I focus on the creative part of the apocalypse daddy. I take movies and I rewrite them with my family in it. So it's very specific. So you probably need children and you probably need to appreciate movies to do it. Um, but that's what I do. Uh, imagine, give you an example of what I do on the Apocalypse Daddy. Um, the, the intro scene, the first scene of Reservoir Dogs, where they're all sitting around the table and they're talking about Madonna and they're talking about waitresses and they're talking about tips. And then they argue about who wants to be called Mr. Pink and I want to be called Mr. Brown because it sounds like Mr. Shit and I don't want to be Mr. Pink. Well, it could be worse. So I took that scene, put my family in it. My daughter became Steve Buscemi. I was Mr. Orange. And you, re and it's the, the very kind of like childish interaction that the characters from Reservoir Dogs has matches the kind of the dynamic of a family. And I think that's one reason why that scene is so cool because they see they are so relaxed and they are like a family almost. So yeah, I took that rewrote it rewrote the scripts and i do things like that goodfellas pockets now classics of the genre where do you <laughs> where do you post this material just because i mean a lot of people are probably hearing about this and say well i'd really like to check that out so where can you point them to so that they can investigate further the apocalypse daddy.com oh ah, okay um yeah, well, um, yeah if, if you don't have if you don't have children but um <laughs> i wouldn't recommend that but if you do, you'll love it. <laughs> there we go. So now looking back at this, uh, the blockchain NFT web and all that, like we were talking about, there's a there's a lot of uh, room for that. But how would you recommend people go about finding these experiences? Uh, so let's start with as, that. Like, where do you where do you find them? As a writer, where where would you go if you were a writer looking to get into yeah. the space, looking to write some stuff? So as much as it pains me to say this, and it does pain me to say this because I'm becoming um, a blockchain maximist, a Web3 maximist. I, I, the, yeah. I, the decentralization is something I really 
aspire to the whole world being part of, but Upwork. So these writing platforms, Upwork is awash with opportunity. Now there's a few, what's good, not disclaimers. Uh, <laughs> caveats? Caveats, yes, there's a few caveats with that. You need to be careful, willing to work for not much and or vetting the projects. Mm, yeah. But I found a lot. Unfortunately, Mark Zuckerberg has ruined it a little somewhat, but <laughs> it's still there. And yeah, if you what if you have no experience, you could go on Upwork and get a writing gig for an NFT project today. Yeah. If you have experience, there are opportunities for some serious work there. I mean, I've, I'm working at the moment. Don't tell Upwork this, but for a quite a big blockchain gaming company that found me through there, I did some good work for gambling apes and uh, sneaky goblins. So some not blue chip NFT collections, but I'd like to think like tier two NFT collections came from there. So there are good opportunities. For so sure. I'll go there. Um, okay, Twitter so, uh, obviously uh, oh, sure. is good, but um, Upwork it's very you know it's, it's easy to find. Okay, so you're going to have to bear with me. So this um, Justin knows all about this. I do not. This is all new, foreign territory to me. Territory to me. So what kind of writing do you do for these projects? So someone says I'm looking for. You said I'm looking for a creative writer, and we'll say it's a gaming company, and you. I mean, do you check out what kind of material they do and base what your submissions are going to be? Or do you come in with a pitch type of thing and say, this is what I can offer. Here's my take on this subject or this, uh, this game or whatever. And do you take it from there? Or is it something totally different? Just you have to keep in mind, like there are a lot of people listening who are, this is all, again, they're, they're in my situation. They don't, they're not as familiar as, as you or Justin are. So just kind of, I guess, you know, in layman's terms, uh, how would you explain it? And, you know, just walk us through the process of what, what it involves. Okay, well, I'll, I'll stick to NFT art collections because that's maybe easier and there's more of them and there's more sure. opportunity. So if you're not familiar with Upwork, Upwork is a freelance writer platform which puts people who need a writer in touch with a writer and then take their cut. Um, the adverts, the offers, the, the opportunities vary vastly. And so I have applied for jobs where people have literally put a line saying, I'm an artist, I need a story, here's a JPEG of what I have done. And then you, it might, it might be a picture of a frog or a picture of a Mm -hmm. a, a weasel or a monkey or an alien or something like that and then you just that's up to you so it's a it's a pitch isn't it so you can put as much into that pitch as you think is ad adequate i mean obviously mm -hmm. if, it's a, if it's a one liner then i would not put much effort into that pitch but essentially they give you a an outline of their project sometimes it's a lot more in depth than that there'll be a big description of what they want to achieve so one of the projects i worked for i, I worked for it's called sneaky goblins and i found that through upwork and they said they had a, a longer brief they said we're designing a metaverse essentially we have these goblin characters created by our artist we want to build a metaverse we have this art can you take these characters 
from here on this piece of paper to the metaverse. And so it's quite, you get an open brief and it's okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's creating the story. You know, where are these creatures from? What's their objective? Why are they going to the metaverse? What are they going to do when they get there? What, what kind of intentions do they have? Um, it's very open. Sometimes you'll get somebody who comes with a semi-complete vision and they want you to expand on it, create it, some backstory for it, take it further into the future. So it's very, very different. It covers all the bases. Okay, okay. I think Justin has talked about this before. It's, it's kind of like a, a form of world building for the, yeah. the, the story behind the image. Yeah, exactly that. So one, it's it's you'll have. I'm sure you you say you don't know, but you probably heard of the the Bored Apes as an example of one of the bigger collections. Yeah, you have a piece of art that's missing a story. Hmm. It's missing a, a an origin story. Where are they from? What's their ideas? What's their philosophy? What do they want? What do they look for? How do they think? How do they feel? Um, and they you're tasked with building that obviously a lot of it is i don't know if justin has found this but a lot of them seem to come from space and a lot of them seem to want to take over something there's a lot of kind i don't know if this is subconsciously built into a lot of the people in nfts and web three but there seems to be a lot of searching for power and coming from these far off kind of places outside of the the of reality outside of mainstream maybe the outsiders who want to take back the power there seems to be a lot of that yeah you mean like a lot of the stories end up being kind of the same yes yeah a lot a lot of uh, a lot of cyberpunk too of course and a lot of repeating yeah. uh, themes and styles and so i've gotten a lot of them where they like will reach out to me and they're like let's do this and then like a month later or a week later they're like oh we found out everybody else is doing that so let's try this instead and then a week later oh everybody else is also doing that <laughs> it's pretty funny yes. yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess they're trying to. That, that's why some of the big projects are original. When they are original, they do make a, a noise and they do get noticed. And a lot. I mean, I've been doing like specifically NFT projects for over a year now, and obviously most of the ones that I began doing, yeah, sank. Yeah, not because the story was obviously the story was good. The character story was great, but, but they just had no. They had. They didn't. It was just a piece of art, and they had nothing to nowhere to take it they didn't have Hmm. any utility you know they didn't have a use case they didn't have anything to do yeah i saw one that was like they hired me for a graphic novel and it was like a year i don't know how long ago now but it's it's like what happened to you guys did you just disappear you spent all this money it's sad if you just vanish but do you have any that you feel are like i don't know either the biggest like as far as like exposure so far that you've done and or biggest in terms of the amount of work that you've done on them and in in terms of um, I think Sneaky Goblins, I said that they 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 have a really good kind of IP potential. The the art is is incredible. It's three D sculpted art. So it's the artist I've spoken to him. He's he he's very talented. So the, the art is very good. They have a lot of I. They want to build a movie studio in the metaverse where you use the the the, the, the Sneaky Goblin the NFT to have access to this movie studio as either to make your movies or to produce whatever content you want to do. So have some good ideas. Uh, Gambling Apes, which is, they they do what they say. (laughs) It's like they're they're building a metaverse casino 
So there's a story about where these gambling gates come from, why they're degen gamblers. The story is quite evident there. That's big. Um, in terms of work loads, the, <laughs> the, 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 the game that I've done on a couple of play to earn games, and that's the biggest work because the stories are the biggest. The, the worlds are big. The, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, NFT projects can be one page. Actually, the, uh, what you said earlier also raised a question for me that so many people, and, and, and Justin alluded to this as well, so many people will say, oh, we want this kind of story. And then you discover, oh, so several other people or several other companies have been doing this. And they say, well, we want to try this instead. And you find out more people are doing that one as well. So is it a challenge to come up with unique and original material? Or do you do, you do any research when you're putting it together? Do you write it down off the top of your head? Do you consult with maybe somebody from the company or just kind of, again, oh, just you know, kind of uh, see what's out there and then kind of come back and maybe take a different approach or a different angle? Is, is there a way to really create the material so that it's something that hasn't been seen before? I think that question could be asked of any writer in any world, in any context, couldn't it? Um, movies songs children's books novels and that could the same thing apply yeah it, it's it's can I, I i don't have a problem coming with ideas I, I i spend a lot of my time preparing myself to have ideas and when those ideas come so i do a lot of meditation i do a lot of walk working i do a lot of journaling i do a lot of reading i do a lot of things i watch a lot of content i read a lot of content so I don't find it hard to have ideas because they have so many ideas and there's always something which you can grasp onto and develop and explain further and take further. So me personally, no, I don't. But yes, there are challenges in creating original stories when there are literally hundreds of new projects every day. Right. There's going to be some crossover. Right. So quick follow up to that. Have you had the people that you've written material for come back and say, this is this is fantastic. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, but that's that's not what you remember, is it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about horror stories next. So if you have anything else to add to that first, <laughs> right, then I'll ask about any horror stories without naming names, of course. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that, that. But well, it is what you just said, actually, just about they'll come back to you and they literally a lot of these people a lot of these projects are first-time projects for a lot of people and yeah. they are working off, off off the cuff if you like they're making up as they go and yeah they'll come back to you and say yeah great but you know we've just changed the artist and we've changed it and now yeah. it's set set in a minnesota cornfield not on mars and then obviously it, 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 the whole thing changes but yeah that's fun i guess that, that, that that's kind of I like that kind of approach. As long as they as well. will either pay, because if you get a start over from scratch, yeah. this is <laughs> so I've had a lot where they like expect you to do the free work, or or one where like it started off as like we want characters for this, so like we do all the characters, and it was a good chunk of change, and then they're like, okay, we decided not to use characters. Can you now write us like a white paper? And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pay, and they're like, no, no, we already paid, but we since we paid, but we're not using that. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. So you got to watch out for that, people. If you're thinking about getting into this, some people either want free work or just don't know how to really uh, be professional in that sense. 
since so we're talking doing. about creative writing and writing in general and how hard it, it is to to make any money doing anything remotely creative sometimes how do you feel about doing free work have you done free work in this in other in nfts or in other domains and are you a big advocate right? of it because i know I think that every aspiring people... screenwriter probably has done some free work at some point it seems like like every experienced screenwriter is like don't do free work don't touch it and then everybody's like i just want to get experience and get out there you know uh yeah i don't think i'll do it anymore but in the past especially mm. when i'm between projects and don't know what to do with my time like where i'm like i could write another book and it'll make some money but not enough or i could do this or so it's kind of like buying a lottery ticket with your time that you give up your opportunity cost right so for sure how about you mark have you do you still do that do you have you in the past and regretted it um i've done lots of writing for nothing i've i've spent years hours days months writing for nothing because i love writing i do it every day and a lot of the time yeah i'm not being paid for it have i done free work for people that they have published yeah i've done some no i, I don't think it's people are very adamant that you must work for free as a creative writer as a writer um i think in the early days yes i don't think you need to too much except right. if you're doing like yeah film script movie scripts is a different thing isn't it but. yeah and if you find the right niche like right now nft stuff is the right niche or web chain blockchain whatever uh, but who knows maybe it'll get flooded soon with other people who follow in our footsteps uh, so right now, though, it's a great time to get that experience and build up the resume, like you were saying. I had a question actually about what, uh, Upwork and whatnot. So I've, I started on Fiverr mostly, and then now I'm at the point where people are finding me, which is awesome, either through my website or through LinkedIn or something. But uh, when I looked at Upwork for a bit, it just seemed like such a pain to keep submitting for projects. And it seemed like more people wanted to pay smaller amounts on Upwork versus other platforms. You, you didn't find that? Oh, yeah, it's horrendous. I'm not, I, I'm not an Upwork. <laughs> the, the, the pay is terrible the you you have to leave your ego at the door because they're going to take a lot they take a lot of money off you and it's definitely changed in the last six months and there are it's all not all but a lot more low paying jobs yeah i'm talking about if, if you want to get your, your first experience yeah. then yeah I, I don't know what five is like I, I i've heard i haven't heard great things about five either but i guess the nature of the beast with these platforms is that you know it's it's there's a lot of work for five dollars and you're, you're competing against the world, aren't you? So like I live in a pretty expensive part of the world where I can't yeah. work for such and such. We put our rate right now. My rates two dollars a word uh, for some projects and then a dollar a word if it's a longer project that I really love. And uh, and I found I still get work for that. And that seems like a high rate to some people. But uh, compared to like what we can get from a real job, like a full time career project that's doing quite well it's not and so it varies but like yeah those five dollar or thirty dollar jobs i i can't imagine uh that but for getting your first experience like you said building up that resume if you could do like five or ten of those and just bust them out then you have your resume built up a little bit and then people will start coming to you because they'll hear about you or word of mouth or anything but what's next for you mark are you looking at you you did you did screenwriting and you've done some books and so what are you really excited about and where do you think you're going i haven't done screenwriting but like it's it's um I, I save the cat, save, <laughs> save, you know. Read a book, yeah. <laughs> I, read, I read a book 
and I took it took it a little bit too far, like my wife says, got visions of grandeur. Um, yeah. I, I'm a, I, at the moment, I'm a family man, and you know that comes first. I am looking at the moment. I'm working with a, an artist friend to do some children's books, which I've got a, an idea for for that. Which That's awesome. Um, I I also think that would allow me to write a, a longer screenplay for that as well at a later date. Um, I the Apocalypse Daddy stuff I did I'm writing an ebook for that. I I, I did it. I tried, I I pitched the Apocalypse Daddy to a load of publishers during lockdown and COVID. And since the, a lot of the Apocalypse Daddy is set during COVID, everyone was. They told me they didn't. It, that it probably because it was shit, but they said no. It's it's COVID related. We don't want anything. We don't want to remind people of that. Right, so right. I'm gonna I'm gonna self publish that. So I'm in the process of um, formatting that and editing that. Sweet. I um, loving doing the NFT stuff. I want to keep doing that. Hopefully, get some more game storylines, some more good NFT projects. Keep doing that. Um, yeah, it's just non-stop. Too many projects. My problem is trying to focus on which one. Yeah, um, I did. One actually, the- I, I, actually, I did have a question. That I've, I've talked about this with other um, screenwriters. Is that especially since lockdown started, that so many more people are doing things via Zoom? That it used to be, do you have to live in Los Angeles to make it as a writer? And I, my thing is that if it's for television, yes, but for screenwriting, no. But I mean, you're in France. You're you're in the you said the French Alps. So yeah. has that had an impact? I mean, have people? You, I guess it's not really an issue for you to connect with people and to have meetings over Zoom. But has it had any kind of impact? I mean, are you more? Do you are you able to split your time between say? Uh, the US and uh, Europe and the UK. Uh, what is, is there a big difference between the two? Is it more or less the same? How, how has it really impacted you being able to connect with and meet with potential clients and discuss projects? I, I think that I, it, a, lot of the, a lot of that is invisible downside because if I it's sure that if I still lived in Paris or if I lived in London or if I, if I lived in one of these big cities, I would have more work. I would have more projects to work on. I, I, I don't doubt that. So working through Zoom and Twitter and LinkedIn and these platforms has made it seem like it's not an issue, seem like it's not a problem. Hmm. And the work is there. I'm having a great time. There are lots of opportunities. I have no doubt that if I lived in Paris or if I lived in London, I would be doing other, probably bigger things as well, because the, as much as people say that Zoom and the, the Zoom isn't a replacement for real connection. And if I was going to those meetups in London or Paris, if I was meeting those people, going to restaurants, going to the pub, having those relationships there, I would have more work. Does that make sense? No, no, no. That makes plenty of sense. I mean, I'm, I'm just because it's, it's fascinating to talk to writers, especially here in the U.S. That, like Justin's in, in is in Los Angeles, and I'm in San Francisco. So he can obviously meet with people there, but he can also have Zoom meetings. Whereas for me, 
99% of them are going to be Zoom meetings. I'm talking to someone who's down there. So I, that's why I'm curious and also really intrigued to find out what it's like for someone like you, who's, I don't, I, I don't know where you are, but it sounds like semi, semi remotely uh, that's your, <laughs> yeah. that's your operating that it's not easy for you to get places. So you have to rely on zoom and Skype and social media and other online platforms in order to connect with clients and also to have meetings and to get updates on projects. So I just, I just find it fascinating to see how each writer adapts to their situation and just the way that you have. I just think that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. I, I made some life choices or we, we made some life choices a, a few years ago and um, I, 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 I have uh, meetings on chairlifts. Like I'm a, I'm a big snowboarder, I'm a big outdoors person. I do a lot of mountain biking and walking and snowboarding. So I don't mind missing out on a project and then doing it an NFT chat on a cable car with my snowboard in one hand <laughs> and you know, taking notes on my phone in the other. That, that's a life choice that I've made. Saying that, those life choices were kind of made before Web3 and the blockchain. But um, I speak to a lot of people in, in Los Angeles, especially, like more than San Francisco. And that might just be uh, coincidence. I don't know. But every time I speak to them, and Justin probably knows this, they're always saying, oh, I've got a, a blockchain meetup tomorrow. I've got an NFT meetup. There's this film club thing I'm going to tomorrow night. There's a music some guy I know who's trying to build music NFTs on the blockchain. Oh, there's some guy who's doing this. There's some person doing that. There's some girl doing this. There's somebody doing that. And th that's when I'm sure Justin can confirm that that is happening. And there is just swathes of creativity and swathes of experimentation going on that poor old me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in that. Yeah. We got families anyway. We don't got time for that. <laughs> I try to make, you know, here and there go to something, but it's like so many times I've been to those where it doesn't feel worth it. And it's like, Oh, what would I, would I feel guilty about missing out on the time with my kids or something? So, but I will say that living in LA has been worth it for sure. And one of the things I'm working on right now is in LA and it's awesome. And it's yeah. Great experience. So uh, for people who are debating it, you can definitely survive without it. There are definitely benefits of it. So living in LA or a big city that has any of these kind of events, um, I think we're coming up towards the end of our time. Did you want to cover anything else, Paul? Uh, I, was, I was about to say, I guess it's a lot easier for you to go snowboarding where you are now than to say if you lived in London or Paris, because I don't really know of these snowboarding opportunities in those large metropolitan areas. Versus Los then, Angeles, half hour oh. drive. <laughs> or Los Angeles, yes. <laughs> oh, no. Los yeah. Angeles. Here you can go surfing in the morning, like, snowboarding in the afternoon. It's all good. I should move to Los Angeles. Depending on um, traffic. Yeah. Just on Los Angeles, like before, because it's like it's quite it's late here. Before I came on here, I was just looking, reading some some stuff on the internet. A couple of things there was which one related right, was about um, a a cafe in Tokyo called a writer's cafe. Oh, I read, I saw that. Did you see that? And about the only way you can go to this writer's cafe is if you have a deadline, and then when you go to the cafe, you have to give your deadline. What you have to produce for that deadline. And then you're not allowed out of the cafe until you have hit your deadline. Which... Oh, wow. Okay, so I <laughs> interpreted awesome. that differently because the way the headline was that you could go to this cafe in Tokyo for writers, but they won't let you out until you finish the project, which made it sound like, what, is someone there for like three weeks trying to finish their novel? <laughs> but yeah, yeah well, that, that's it. Yeah, well, if your deadline, I, yeah, you have to hit a deadline. So, and you can pay different amounts of, or you can buy different amounts of coffee and, 
depending on how much coffee you buy, they will kind of push you to hit that deadline or kind of leave you to. to yeah, so that, that seems that a little cool. more realistic, right? But it's like <laughs> going in and saying, I have to get to page 52 by today or by the end of today or by tomorrow morning. That seems more realistic than I have eight chapters to finish. <laughs> so yeah. how long are you going to be there? Yeah, I'm sleeping yeah. here. It, exactly. It that's up, what, it, that's what it made it sound like. As a hotel. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And another thing, which was, you remind me of LA um, and blockchain and NFTs, that you might have seen this. Do you remember the in Scream, the guy in Scream who, the first Scream is like, we all go a little mad sometimes, and he's the serial killer in Scream. He has, and one of his movie partners, they've created an NFT project called Midnight Movie Club, I think it's called. And they are using the proceeds from the NFT sale to make movies. And they want to build a, an educational platform into this whereby you don't have to go to movie school to learn to become a, a, a director or producer or whatever part of the film industry you want to work in. They're going to set up a school as part of this um, collection, a decentralized movie school. And they're working on their first film. They're going to use the community to fund future films. And I don't think they're the first. And I think that there's another one, I can't remember the name of it, but there's some really, really great ideas. I don't know how, how easy it is to, I always wonder about these where you get like 60,000 people on Discord saying, I'm a writer, I can do this, here's my idea and how they yeah. can extract anything remotely good from all that noise. There's a lot of the heart is there, the idea is there, the the, the will that where there's a will, there's a way, and there's some really interesting stuff going on. So, if you hear about that, Justin, if you meet anyone from the Midnight Movie Club NFT collection, yeah, check tell that them out. I, tell them I sent you. Yeah, Midnight. What was it? Midnight Club. Midnight, midnight, midnight Movie midnight Collection. Movie. Midnight Movie Club or Midnight Movie oh. Collection. It's the boat. It's the, the guy out of Scream. The the, the the killer in the first Scream. So I can't remember his oh. name. But. <laughs> It's pretty, pretty fun. Is that Skeet Ulrich? That's the only, I, for like the, the very first one from like the mid 90s. Was it, wasn't he from Saved by the Bell? Yeah, the first scream, like the, 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 the serial killer. He was in, he was in some of the. I think, I think, I want to say it was Skeet, Skeet Ulrich. And, Are you thinking of Matthew Lillard or something? Well, Matthew Lillard, he's like the, the voice of Shaggy on Scooby Doo now. Yes, so that's him, him, him. Oh, him. okay. Yeah, I think him. Hey. That, sounds, that sounds like he did that as well. Yeah, him. So oh, nice. quite like quite a big. I like him. I was a '90s kid, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to figure out how to get in touch with that guy and and, and coordinate this. Anyway, well, go, go go buy an NFT when it launches. Yeah, yep. donate twenty five thousand dollars. That's all I got to do. That's all. <laughs> I was looking at his website here. It says donate twenty five thousand dollars to charity. And there's a bunch wow. Of stuff. So, so Mark, is there a way for people to get in touch with you? Do you have? Uh, you said you've got your Apocalypse Daddy site. Do you have other sites, or is that your primary one? Um, the Apocalypse Daddy for all the NFT and Web three stuff. It's Metaverse Writer, Metaverse Writer IO. So the Metaverse Writer um, okay. is where they can find me on that. Twitter at Mark Fielding nine nine. That's 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 a lot. That's kind of a, an ordinary one compared to like the apocalypse daddy. I guess that's yeah, probably too long for Twitter. I don't know about you, but I get pretty tired by it all. And so 
just the idea of having three, four different accounts for the same mm. platform, just life's too short for me to do, to do that. So that makes sense. Uh, All right. Mark Fielding 99 on Twitter and the apocalypse daddy. And what was the other with the metaverse dash writer? Med, yeah. The metaverse writer. The metaverse writer. Excellent. Fantastic. So this has been fascinating stuff because I, as I said earlier, I don't know anything about this. So just hearing, you know, you and Justin and other people who've had experience uh, talk about this, it's, it's fascinating to me, makes me want to know more and kind of dig in a little deeper and see what, you know, what possibilities are out there. Yeah, you should, there is a, and I'm sure just know there's a lot of good creative people doing a lot of good, cool stuff. That's counterweighted by a lot of scams and a lot of rubbish, mm -hmm. but, you know, and it's you're not always going to land on the the good side of the coin every time. But anybody who's wondered about getting some good experience or some good writing under the belt or just kind of progressing, I, I recommend it. It's a, a brave new world, as they say, mm. don't they? It certainly is. Awesome. All right, Mark. Anything else you want to throw out there for the audience? Last words of wisdom, uh, whatever else project you want to promote. <laughs> words of wisdom uh i really thought he was going to say hire me <laughs> <laughs> do we do do personal shills if you have an nft project and you're looking for a writer who wants to make your character shine then get in touch nice. there you go cool and we'll include uh, all the details in gonzo the, uh... I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing gonzo gonzo to the metaverse awesome Fantastic. Are you doing your own project that like you're like a founder of or something? Um, I um, the Gonzo NFT, like the NFTs is I'd love to work with um, the um, ah, oh, I forgot his name, my mind's gone blank. Ralph Stedman, I think Ralph Stedman should do an NFT collection, and then since Hunter S. Thompson is no longer with us, maybe I can do something. That'd, that'd, that'd be my dream NFT collection. <laughs> there we go. Cool. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show. It's been yes, thank you so. This was great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Our pleasure. Right, everybody, uh, again, leave reviews, share the word of mouth, all that fun stuff. And you can reach us. Uh, I'm Justin Sloan. My books are on Amazon, and you can find me on Twitter at Justin M. Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, MaximumZ.blog. I'm on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. And I'm happy to say I got a week until my book comes out. Uh, I've got a collection of interviews I've done over the years on my blog. It's called Go Ahead and Ask. Volume one, two, and three are coming out later this year. That's uh, released on April 22nd. I'm very excited about that. Anyway, he's Justin. I'm Paul. That was Mark. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, go write something.